begin today, though, with a word of prayer. God, we come this morning and we open our hearts to you. God, it is good to be in the house of the Lord this morning, to be in the presence of God. This is where you have drawn us all to this morning. And we've all come from different places, and we've all walked through those back doors with different things uh, weighing on our hearts. And in these moments, Lord, we ask that you pick up that burden from us, whatever that might be. We ask that you settle our spirit that the Spirit of the living God might rest upon us and teach us something this morning. That, God, we find something out about ourselves, what you are indeed calling us to this morning, so that when we walk out those doors at the end of this time together, Lord, we live into your will. And the presence of God doesn't just remain here, but it goes with us. This is what we ask this morning. Amen. So Jonah is an unusual prophet, to say the least, Uh, and here are a few reasons why. Of all the characters in Scripture, like all of the uh, different uh, people who pop up, uh, your uh, your priests, they're pretty holy. They're supposed to be holy because they're they're entering uh, the temple and and nearing the presence of God, right? Uh, Your kings... They're not always so holy, but your prophets, now they, it turns out, uh, routinely through scripture, are some of the most righteous people that we meet. And there's good reason is because if they've got one task in life, it's to speak the words of God, right? This is what they do. They speak the words of God. And so it's a little unusual because, well, uh, Jonah here, his character is questionable, to say the least, right? Prophets are also typically obedient. Uh, I struggle to think of too many times in Scripture where the prophet doesn't do what God wants him to do. And in this case, Jonah is definitely disobedient. Prophets are typically willing and eager participants. Jonah literally runs from the presence of God. And in short, Jonah is unlike every other prophet that we find throughout Scripture. But there's one other way that Jonah is unusual, and it really gets to the heart of everything. And uh, instead of telling you what that is, I I actually want to show you what that is. Uh, I need you to pull out your Bibles, uh, every single one of you. If you don't have one, there's one uh, in the pew back. And uh, turn to the book of Haggai. I know. You're not going to, you're not going to, okay, actually, turn to the book of Hosea. Hosea. We'll start in Hosea. And while you're finding Hosea, by the way, if you can't find Hosea, uh, there is a guide at the front of your Bibles uh, that have page numbers and all that, uh, if you need a little help. Uh, while you're doing that, here's what I want to explain. Uh, so the, the, the Old Testament, our Hebrew Bible, is cut into sections, and the section I want to introduce to us is, is the prophets, the prophetic books, right? And the prophetic books uh, do not start with Hosea. They actually start back a little bit. Uh, they start with uh, Isaiah, right? And so we know books, uh, the, the big three are Isaiah, Jeremiah, and Ezekiel. And uh, they are called the major prophets. 
Uh, I'm going to introduce you to a few things in the Minor Prophets, but they all have the same thing in common, and that is they all, at the very beginning of them, start with some sort of phrase like, the word of the Lord came to so-and-so, right? Or the prophet uh, says, thus says the Lord, right? These are the sorts of things the prophets do and say. And so we get to the book of Isaiah, for example. Uh, it begins this way, and then Isaiah 6 has this great moment where Isaiah is standing in the throne room. He's in the presence of God, and God is, is looking down and he's saying, I am unworthy, or the, Isaiah is saying, I am unworthy to be in the presence of God. Uh, and uh, he is cleansed with this coal uh, from heaven. Uh, and then God says, well, whom shall I send and what does Isaiah say? Send me, right? Send me. Uh, Ezekiel, same thing. Or Jeremiah, I guess, would be same thing uh, happens, uh, or similar thing. Uh, and Jeremiah uh, asks to be sent out by God. Ezekiel, a little different actually, um, but Ezekiel... Uh, is called by God, has this calling moment, uh, and uh, it's, it's a, Ezekiel is a strange book, and so instead of like it being a normal calling, uh, God comes to Ezekiel with, with a book or a scroll and says, eat this scroll, right, eat, eat this, and Ezekiel says, okay, and, and he eats it, right, uh, and the point being, like, this is the word of the Lord, thanks be to God, uh, and, and then he says uh, the word of the Lord to the people, right? If you've found, hopefully by this point, uh, Hosea, we're at Hosea. We're going to skip Daniel because Daniel's a little different, and I don't have time to explain why. Uh, Hosea begins this way, the word of the Lord that came to Hosea. There it is, right? Starts exactly like we expected to. All right, so keep going. Uh, flip, flip forward a little bit. Hosea past chapter 12 and into Joel. How does Joel begin, right? The word of the Lord that came to Joel, the, the son of Pethuel. And then he begins to deliver the word of the Lord. All right, keep going. Keep going. Uh, we get to Amos. And Amos uh, says, the words of Amos... Now, don't take this the wrong way, because then he gets a few uh, lines down, and in verse 3, Amos goes out, and he delivers, and he says, thus says the Lord. And there we have it, right? We have the, the word of the Lord delivered, and then if you're looking in your Bible, you see all of these what look like poetry lines, right? That classic prophet. Uh, they, they speak in poetry, apparently. Skipping forward. We don't want to miss... Our next book, which is not Jonah, it's the short book of Obadiah. And here again, we get the vision of Obadiah, and immediately, thus says the Lord God. Right? Are you, are you getting the picture? Right? All of these prophets, this is how they all begin. This is the word of the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. It comes to the prophet. The word comes to the prophet. We get to the book of Jonah, which is where we're at now. And we're going to park here for the rest of the day, so you can just leave it open. Now, the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, the great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. And then we get, but, a big but. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from 
the presence of the Lord. And there you have it, right? There is our, our proof. And we could keep going through all the other prophets, by the way. So if you, if you see a pattern, 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 and then that pattern gets broken, clearly we're dealing with something that's different, right? And Jonah breaks the pattern, and I'll say he breaks the pattern over and over again throughout the book. And in this way, it's a, it's a very unusual prophetic book. Jonah is given the word of the Lord in 1.1. It says it, the word of the Lord came to Jonah, but he refuses to speak it. He runs away from it. And if you know how this story goes, you might know that, well, he finally does get around to delivering the word of the Lord. As Laura said, he does get to Nineveh someday. What fascinates me about this book is if you look, there's only one play, one line in all of this book where he is, quote, prophetic. And it's in uh, chapter 3, verse 4. And he finally gets to Nineveh and he says, yet 40, he's talking to the Ninevites, yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. The only lines that are prophetic in this book. In what... <laughs> And what is funny is that this line, yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown, well, it's undone. It actually doesn't come to pass because the Ninevites, well, they repent. And and you hear again, like everything's being overturned. Normally prophets say something and then that thing happens. Like that's how it works. And here again, we get Jonah in a place where he's saying this word of the Lord and then it gets overturned. And so it's worth taking a close look and trying to figure out what in the world is going on and how should we today read this book. As I've already said, prophets, if they've got one job in life, it's to speak the word of the Lord, right? Usually, if the message is harsh, they are speaking to somebody who is either, uh, or some people, uh, who are either uh, in a place of power and they're abusing that power, they're uh, in a place of unrighteousness uh, and they need to be told to straighten up. But sometimes they're given a word of hope and they're they're told, uh, look, uh, turn from your ways and uh, and all will be well. Or, or these people may not need to turn from their ways. Maybe they're, they're, they're outcasts or downcasts and, and they need a, a word of hope to, to pull them out of that place. And, and sometimes the prophets do that. Either way, whether it's a harsh, uh, harsh criticism uh, or a word of hope, the prophet's job is to take what God gives them and to give it to the people. Jonah's message here was meant for the city of Nineveh. It's said to be the great city, right? We just read that, the great city. Um, there's something also fascinating about uh, Nineveh. If, if you don't, do you know where Nineveh is located? What? Tigris River, but uh, it's the capital of, not, not today, uh, <laughs> Uh, Assyria, which happens to be the place that comes and wipes out the northern kingdom, right? So this is like, I don't know, a good analogy here, uh, but this is their sworn enemies. This is Israel's sworn enemies. 
And so uh, Jonah's job is to go into this enemy territory and to deliver this message uh, that they are going to be judged. And then uh, we all know what happens, of course, right? Which is uh, he he hops on a boat. I don't don't know if you know geography of the area at all, uh, but the the boat places uh, are in the opposite direction of the Nineveh places, right? So if you want to get to Nineveh, you get on a caravan and you head east. If you want to get on a boat, uh, well, you head west. And then he doesn't just head west, he hops in the boat and then heads kind of northward and, and away from all the action, right? He's literally fleeing from the presence of God. If the presence of God is located in the uh, tabernacle or temple, in this, in this case, uh, he is fleeing in the wrong direction from the presence of God. From the beginning of this story, literally from the first verses, we find a man who is a prophet who has one job in his life, and that is to speak the word of the Lord. That, like, literal job, by the way. This is a, uh, an occupation, a job description, right? And he chooses to not do it. He choo- his reason for being in this life, his reason for being is to speak the word of the Lord. And instead, he chooses to do something else. He chooses to not live into that reason for being, and he flees from the presence of the Lord. Verse 3 says, Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa, found a ship to Tarshish. That's a hard word to say, by the way, too many times. Uh, So he paid the fare. He went down into it to go with them to Tarshish. And again, says it again, away from the presence of the Lord. So if you didn't catch it the first time, from the presence of the Lord, uh, it says it a second time. It's, he's, he's moving away from the presence of the Lord. This, of course, can be contrasted with every other prophet out there, uh, but especially, I already mentioned one, Isaiah. Right? Isaiah finds himself in the presence of the Lord. He's in the throne room of God in Isaiah 6, and he's crying out, uh, God's crying, uh, whom shall I send? And, and Isaiah's like, me, me, send me, send me. And then the opposite picture is what we find in Jonah. We find somebody who's not living into his calling, not living into his occupation, not living into who he was designed to be. He is literally fleeing from the presence of God. I believe and I think we should all believe, that God is moving and working in this world whether we realize it or not. God does not need us to accomplish God's will, but he invites us to participate in it. And in order to do so, unlike Jonah, we must not run from the presence of the Lord. I believe this involves knowing your very reason for being. Your reason for being. If Jonah had a reason for being, it was that he was a prophet and was supposed to speak the word of the Lord. I don't know what your reason for being is. 
I've talked to most of you enough to have some good ideas. But when I talk about your reason for being, it's your calling. It's who God made you to be in this life, right? Jonah was designed to be somebody who was a prophet and spoke the word of the Lord. The question you need to ask this morning is what has God designed you to be? And then the tag along, are you living into it or are you running away from it? This is a tough task, by the way, discerning your calling, discerning who you are in this life. It's a, it's a lifelong task, I'll say that much. Uh, it takes uh, a lot of uh, courage. Uh, it takes uh, study. It, it takes uh, f- good friends, uh, hopefully a good family, uh, uh, people who can surround you, a church that can surround you and speak into your life and tell you, yeah, this is, this is who I am. Um, there, there was something... I've shared this with a number of people by now, uh, including our, our church council last month. Um, I should have asked ahead of time. Uh, I'm just going to say it, though. Uh, so a few weeks ago, uh, I was in, uh, well, we had, we had a meeting. I, I, I found this, this closet, this secret closet. Uh, not that one, though that's a secret closet, too. Uh, but what... <laughs> It's a secret file cabinet uh, in one of the rooms back here. And I was like, I've never looked in this secret file cabinet before. And I pull it out. And uh, in it is a stack of um, spiritual gifts inventories from 2007, right? We're talking 14 years uh, ago, right? And I, I, is it okay that I'm saying this, Jeff? I apologize. I should have asked ahead of time. Uh, of course, it's not about Jeff. It's actually about Jordan. So I, I pull it out, and, and Jordan Seeker is the first one. He's in seventh grade, a, a seventh grade Jordan Seacrest, right, 14 years ago. And on it, uh, he takes the spiritual gifts inventory, uh, and it says things like uh, preaching and um, uh, and uh, church planting and um, uh, apostleship, that was the word I'm looking for, apostleship, which uh, in, that, in this inventory means uh, taking like bold leaps of faith. And I'm sitting there reading this thing, and I'm like, this is a, a seventh grader uh, who has filled this out and, and is beginning to discern who God made him to be. And I'm looking at him 14 years later and thinking, this is a guy who did not run from the presence of God. This is a guy who is living into who God called him to be. And that's awesome. Praise God, right? Not everybody is called to church plant and to be apostles and, and, and these things. I, I think we all have our spiritual gifts and, our, and the ways in which we are meant to live into what God has made us to be in this life. But I think one of life's big tasks is figuring out what that is and, and putting our whole selves toward it to the glory of God. Let's continue on in our reading. Verse 4 here continues our story. And we see that the, the Lord uh, hurled a great wind upon the sea. And there was a mighty tempest on the sea. 
so that the ship threatened to break up. And then the mariners were afraid, and each cried out to his God, and they hurled the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten it for them. But Jonah had gone down into the inner part of the ship. He uh, had lain down and was fast asleep. So the captain came and said, What are you doing, sleeper? What are you doing? Arise, call out to your God. Perhaps the God will give us a thought that we may not perish. The storms come in life, do they not? It doesn't matter, actually, uh, if you are Jonah running away from the presence of God or somebody living into the presence of God and God's calling on your life. Either way, the storms will come. Can we all agree? The question is... (laughs) where you're situated when those storms come. Because if you are a Jonah who is running from the presence of God and the storms begin to swirl, you probably realize in this moment you're in a heap of trouble because you've you've not lived into this thing that God has called you to do and to be in this life and you're finding it completely unsustainable. And at some point, you're going to fall off the merry-go-round, or in this case, a ship. But if you're living into the purpose of God, there's a sense in which you can still be overwhelmed. You're still going to need those friends. You're still going to have those moments where you break down and you question everything. But if you live into the purpose that you were created to be, there is a real sense of security. On Christ, the solid rock, we stand, right? I mean, this is is what we believe. We have this, this rock that we're standing on so that when the storms come, and they will, and they come, and they will, and there's a sense of security even in the midst of it all. As we keep reading in verse 7, we get to know Jonah just a little bit better, and we get to know uh, the mariners a little better as well. And so they say to one another, come, let us cast lots that we may know on whose account this evil has come upon us. And so they cast lots, and the lot fell on Jonah. And then they said to him, tell us on whose account this evil has come upon us. What is your occupation? Where do you come from? What's your country? And what people are you? Right? They just start peppering him with questions. And he says, well, I'm a Hebrew. And I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. And then the men are exceedingly afraid. And they said to him, what have you done? For the men knew that he was fleeing from the presence of the Lord because he told them. Anytime the Bible asks questions, uh, I always perk up and I'm like, oh, yeah, there's something here, right? I love questions. I love good good questions too. And uh, here, Jonah's getting peppered with these questions, right? He's, He's asked, what's your occupation? Where you come from? What's your country? What people are you from? Uh, He answers with two things. 
the first is I'm a Hebrew, which essentially answers the, 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 the latter three of those questions. Like, what are my people? Uh, what country are you from? Uh, you know, uh, where are you from? Uh, these sorts of things. And then he says, uh, and I fear the Lord. Yahweh is, is what he's saying here. I fear Yahweh, uh, the God who created heaven and earth, essentially. And um, I, I question Jonah's understanding of what it means to fear God in this moment. I'll be honest. And I think I have good reason to, uh, based on everything he's shown us to this point. Because I think what he means by I fear God is I fear God's wrath. Like that, uh, that something bad is going to happen to me. And so I'm going to get out of there. I'm going to go as far away from God as I can, and I'm going to run and do something else. I'm going to uh, distract myself uh, in some fashion. And I, I don't think this is what it means to fear God. I think fearing God is more about God's awe uh, and, and a reverence uh, for the, uh, the glory of God. I, I think it's uh, an acknowledgement of the person of God uh, who is grace-filled, who is forgiving, but who demands of us great things, righteousness and holiness. I think it's all of these things. But he didn't answer one question, did he? There's one question he didn't answer. The first one, what's your occupation? What? And I looked up every other translation too to make sure it wasn't just an ESV thing. And they all say about the same thing. Like, what's your job? What's your occupation? What are you supposed to be doing in life? He doesn't answer it. The prophet is a real job. Like, this is a job description. In fact, prophets' dads were often prophets too. And it's like a, a, a family line thing. And his job is to be a prophet. And he's not doing it, right? We've already established that. He's running from the presence of God. He's not living into his, his uh, personhood of being somebody who speaks the word of God. He is not living according to his calling, and it is causing chaos. It's causing chaos and havoc for him and for these people he's, he's bumping into. And there's something true about this in life, whether you're a prophet or something else. If you're not living into who you are and who God is calling you to be in this life, then there probably is some chaos surrounding you and the people you bump into in this life. I mean, you may not be like thrown off of a ship for it, but, but there's some chaos, right? We talk a lot about sanctuary in here. And my go-to definition for sanctuary is this is where the presence of God is. And here we have an example of a man who is fleeing from the presence of God. He is not living into this sanctuary, right? 
And, and sanctuary, by the way, uh, we've talked about it in lots of different terms. It's constellation of ideas, one of which has to do with your work in this life, what you do in this life, whether that be uh, your job job, uh, if you're an adult uh, who gets paid to do what you do, or whether that be uh, just what you do on the weekends or what you do uh, in the evenings or what you do at school or, or, or just who you are as a person and the way you give back to, heck, our church. All of these, it's part of living into this ideal of sanctuary, finding the presence of God in the things that we do in this life. And here we have a man, Jonah, of all things a prophet, who is not doing that. And so this morning, we read a passage of uh, our Bible that is a warning don't be Jonah. <laughs> That's all there is to it, right? Don't be Jonah. And in order to not be Jonah, you got to know who you are, and you have to live into that. You've got to know who God is calling you to be, and you've got to live into that. Because Jonah is showing us that he knows who he is, and he's going the other direction. Let's pray together. God, this morning, may we not be like Jonah, and may we stay in the presence of God. May we seek your presence. May we desire it. May we be shaped by you. Lord, we are so grateful for the ways in which you have offered yourself to us that we might be more like you. And so in closing, Lord, I pray the prayer of St. Patrick, who says, Christ with me, Christ before me, Christ behind me, Christ in me, Christ beneath me, Christ above me, Christ on my right, Christ on my left, Christ when I lie down, Christ when I sit down, Christ when I arise, Christ in the heart of every man who thinks of me. Christ in the mouth of everyone who speaks of me. Christ in every eye that sees me. Christ in every ear that hears me. Because if that is true, then the presence of God is indeed with us. In the name of Christ we pray. Amen. <clears throat>